I had kind of already heard a bit about 1% for the planet, um, you know, studying responsible business and mar- and cause marketing in college. It had kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, I was located in Burlington, Vermont at the time, um, but I was working for another marketing agency. Um, and I was really excited about that, working on some big high profile brands. Um, And I saw this opening come up for a marketing position at 1%. Um, And I was also at the time working on like a potato chip account. So I was kind of like, well, is this this where I wanna spend my creativity? Is this where I wanna keep pushing forward? So it was kind of a no brainer, I think. The connection to doing something that was values aligned, of course, it was just a great opportunity that had kind of come my way. Yeah. I mean, we all love uh, a good bag of chips, but it's a little (laughs) hard to compare the two, huh? Yeah. I was working on um, a food truck tour, which was like, we were creating these big food trucks that were kind of a facade. um, And it was a big project. And I was like in the parking lot for the tour to start and just looking at everything that was kind of going to go to waste after this. And I was like, I think my creativity could be spent better in a different, uh, yeah. different industry, different market, but they did make a mean potato chip. Yeah. yeah it's tasty, right? <laughs> yeah. It's great. So whenever, whenever you joined, uh, you said this was four years ago when you joined, um, when you were sharing this with like friends and family in the industry or outside the industry, like what was the conversation like? Was everybody like, oh, this is a great fit for you? Or some people were like, oh, I don't understand what they do. Like, do you recall any of those conversations or even since then, like as people see what you're doing? Yeah, it's been a great evolution of that, I would say. Um, you know, for my close friends and family, like no brainer. Oh, that's amazing. I hear they work with Patagonia. I've heard of that company or um, some people who hadn't heard of 1% for the planet. Um, its name kind of gives away what we do. So it was it was easy, but it's um, been really great to be able to work on the brand and marketing side of that and also see our brand awareness grow with that. So, you know, from friends texting me pictures of the beer they're drinking with the logo on it. Um, that's much more prevalent these days um, has been really gratifying, I think. Yeah. You mentioned the name. I, I do think the name is super strong because it communicates so much very quickly. You don't, I mean, there's definitely questions, um, but it communicates a lot. And and there's a lot of organizations that are sort of tangential to what you your team does. And uh, sometimes those are like, like, you have no idea what they do or how, how they're shaped or formed. So I think that's the strength of your name. So speaking of that, do you, you talked about your evolution and how you arrived at the organization. You want to talk about the how the organization came to be in the first place, because I think that's a pretty interesting story as well. Totally. Um, and I think it speaks to that, um, the strength of its name. Uh, but the origin story goes that uh, there were two businessmen who went fishing and had both started to notice companies um, saying, you know, a portion of our profits go back to to the environment or environmental causes. Um, And both of those businessmen wanted to do more for their company. But noticing people say, we'll give back a portion of these profits um, is one thing. But figuring out that a percentage of zero profits is still zero. they created 1% for the planet, which um, donates 1% of sales, not profits, 
So whether you're profitable or not, you still have to give back to environmental organizations. Um, those businessmen were Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, and Craig Matthews, the founder of Blue Ribbon Flies. Um, and that was about a little over 20 years ago. Um, and so today it's kind of still at the core of those those businesses and um, has definitely made a mark on responsible businesses. Yeah. And whenever they came up with this, I mean, they have some influence in the industry. There's there's people who are watching both of them. Um, who were the or which were the brands were the ones who jumped on it first and said, well, we want to be a part of this. Was there was it a certain type of profile or was it like a wide cross section? Totally. I think with the name of Patagonia, um, the outdoor industry obviously um, has a great tie and reason to give back uh, to the environment. But yeah. I think Patagonia in so many ways and still to this day um, really sets the tone for the outdoor industry and sets the bar pretty high, um, you know, starting from making that 1% commitment 20 years ago to today being you know, the leader in, I would say, environmental giving and changing their ownership and shareholders to be completely for um, the planet is pretty huge. And I think a lot of businesses are still playing catch up, but it's great to see them set that bar. Yeah. I mean, you were with the organization when that change happened. I, how has that, what was the reaction to that change? Because that was a big news. I mean, that was a really big, bold move um, that they made. What I'm sure there that you heard a lot of different reactions to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it was really exciting uh to see that announcement go up. Um luckily 1% for the planet that name being correlated to Patagonia, you know, when they're making waves, we do see a ton of inquiry on our end, which is which is awesome because I do think the power of Patagonia setting that bar so high is that it allows for 1% for the planet to be a lot of businesses first step. Um, I think some of the challenges we're seeing right now being companies are unsure of where to go. Um, they're unsure of where to start and they don't want to be called out for being uh, greenwashing or for not being perfect in this, this moment. But um, 1% really allows businesses to take that first step and create some framework for their giving or make their first um, tangible commitment that they can showcase. Yeah. If, if I was, I'm trying to picture like what that, what that announcement would have done to your team. And in some ways uh, it feels like it anchors. It's like, Hey, listen, 1%, you could do 1%. Look, they did a huge amount, Yeah, <laughs> like all of the percents. Um, so uh, this is a great first step. You can definitely do this. It felt it, 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 that's how it would, that's how I would assume that people would react to that. Yeah. I don't know. No, exactly. And I think um, one thing that's been great, we talk about like the outdoor industry absolutely being our bread and butter. Like it makes sense. Here's 10 case studies of you yeah. know, clean canteen, Patagonia, you know, every, everyone in that industry doing something great or unique. Um, but it has allowed for other industries to also think, oh, this could be for us as well. Like, why not household brands? Why not everything from the outdoor industry to biotech? Um, so that's been a really, really awesome evolution is to see the makeup of our industries change over the over the past four years. Yeah. So part of what you do is you're you're helping communicate what it is the organization does. And I'm sure you're getting a chance to meet with uh, brands uh, firsthand. 
What are some of the misconceptions that uh, your team may run into uh, during maybe initial conversations? What What is something that you're like, oh no, actually it's it's this or or whatever? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is that um, companies give us their 1% of their sales and then we disperse it to various causes. Um, and we're much more of an accountability partner. So um, 1% for the planet is a certifying body where a certification that businesses can earn. Um, essentially, our role is that when a business says they give back 1% of their sales that they actually do. So um, we will provide partnership, like par partnership opportunities for um, businesses or connect them with the right nonprofits. Um, but the all of the giving is direct. So we want that partnership to be a direct conversation between business and nonprofit. Um, we think that partnerships are stronger that way, but it also cuts out that middleman. So um, essentially how it works is each year is when a business joins, um, they give us their projected sales or revenue. And at the end of the year, they have to show us um, their receipts to ensure that that um, was an accurate number that they gave back. Yeah. And so earlier you talked about how this is not a new idea. This has existed for decades. Uh, the, the team has been in place. If you were to, and I know you've been here for four years, four of those 20 some years, do you, has there been like this inflection point where things really, uh, like people really started adopting this and, and coming to you? Has there, has there been those kind of like peak moments where people really gravitated this direction? Yeah, I think over the past 20 years, you know, it's, it's ebbed and flowed. Um, but I think the biggest inflection point for 1% was definitely 2020. Mm. Um, when the pandemic hit um, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about what this would do to the economy. Um, a lot of times the first thing to go for companies is that their philanthropy or what they're giving back. Um, we actually saw a massive growth during that, which was kind of uncanny for us. We were like, wait a minute. Uh, but I think it was an inflection point for a lot of businesses to be like, we have to be doing more. We're going to get, um, whether it's because they didn't want to get called out or because the employees, this is something that they were demanding. And there's a lot of different factors that I think go into a business's decision to become a 1% for the planet member. Um, our model is is made to encourage employee engagement and to be flexible for a business to make it work for their bottom line or their goals. Um, so there's a lot of different reasons, but 2020, we definitely saw a lot of companies evolving to um, have stronger initiatives around uh, the environment, around climate. Um, so that was definitely huge for us. Yeah, I, bad question to ask, but do you think there is there any buyer's remorse or are they like, oh, I wish I hadn't committed? Because my assumption is once they do it, they're like, oh, maybe this is less painful than we uh, feared. And actually, this is a great thing and we could do more. I mean, what? Yeah. Any, any I mean, notes every, on that? Every business is is definitely different. Um, luckily, I work on the brand and marketing side. Uh, so I would assume our account managers see a lot more of that than I do. But I would say every business is different. There are some businesses that do have a really rough year and they're like, we, we can't continue this. And in which case um, it's not like a goodbye. We're like, okay, well, when you, you know, you recover from this, like um, let us know we're here to, to kind of still play that accountability role for you. Um, some businesses that, you know, we have a lot of small businesses in our organization. I think it makes up 
uh, over 70% of our network. Um, and we actually encourage that to start when companies are small. So you build it kind of into your brand mm -hmm. and your DNA. Um, but yeah, I would say as far as buyer's remorse, I think less, uh, less of that, I think overall, uh, at least I'd like to think so. But You know, I think it's actually a really good point to make because I, I do think in this space and with these types of commitments, I do think some, um, some sort of brand owners, company owners, entrepreneurs, they fear not being able to be perfect. I mean, you've said that word a couple of times already in our conversation and this idea of being accountable. And if, and if things don't go as projected, um, it's not necessarily like this big embarrassment. We're, we're just trying to be better and we're making these commitments to try to be better and we don't have to be perfect. And I actually think that's a, it's a good point for people is, is don't be afraid to go and try to be a better brand and to make better commitments. And if you don't do it, like, so what we're here for each other and you can come back. Like, it's not like one strike and you're out. I, I think that's a strong point for that. Some people need to hear actually. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, um, I think that's exactly what we're striving to communicate on our end. Um, you know, a lot of companies will come through our inquiries and they're like, we, we want to be the Patagonia of candles or whatever it may be, whatever that industry may be. And I do think there is this moment of like, hold on, they've been working at this for 20 years. Like, let's start with 1% of your sales and let's start with a meaningful long-term partnership with um, a nonprofit, whether that's local, whether that's global, something that works for your brand. Um, that's the really fun part, I think, of my job is getting to think of what a company's brand story is and who might be the best to align um, with them to make uh, a lot of impact. Because I think the more values aligned you are, the more aligned they are within their industry, um, the stronger the partnership for sure. Yeah, I, do, I, I think that's a, that's a great point because I think some people are uh, so confused on what the first good move is or they just want to get it so right because they are going to talk about it um, that they just don't ever want to backtrack. But um, it, what I'm hearing from you is, Hey, let's just make a good first step. And why do we not, doesn't have to be a huge leap, right? Like let's just start making momentum in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there's been a lot of talk, I think over the past year of, um, you know, the evolution from greenwashing being this green hushing, um, which essentially is companies who do have environmental commitments, but they don't want to publicly talk about them or they don't want to post about them for fear of being called out because it's not perfect. Um, you know, we have some amazing members who are giving back a lot of money, you know, well over 1%, um, but they're not overly communicating their commitment because they're like, we might be doing this, but we still have a lot of plastic uh, packaging right now that we're trying to solve for. So in, until we can solve for that, we're not going to talk about this. Um, but I think that kind of does a disservice in a way um, to other companies who are going through the same thing, um, that it's okay to not be perfect and progress is better. Yeah. I, I think that's a very complex topic, green hushing, because in some ways on one side, I could argue it's admirable that they're doing this without drawing attention to it. Um they don't need to always, there doesn't always need to be a press release for everything you do on that side. On the other side, you could say, Hey, if you're leading, like show everybody the example so they can follow you and other people can jump in. And, and we all know why. I mean, a lot of times it's just like, 
we're afraid we don't know what the tension is going to look like. So we just don't want any attention on this at all. So that's kind of the root of it. Right. Totally. And I, I think you're exactly right by saying it's, it's a little complicated because there is, there is something uh, valuable about not making a big deal out of it to be like, this is how a business should, should operate. This is, you know, this is the bare minimum for us is that 1%. Um, and I think that there is something admirable to that, but yeah, I think also, you know, holding out, holding up a, a light onto that for other companies to follow suit is also helpful. If you happen to be uh, at dinner with somebody who was uh, a company that you felt like fit 1%, but they're not part of the, they're not part of that commitment, that organization. And, but they're in the early stages, like first five years. And then over here, you've got somebody who's got like a well-known brand and it's 30 years old, very well established. Would your advice to them be the same or would you, or would you kind of approach them in different ways? We do, you know, reach out to companies or even like everyone at our, at 1% at some point or another has talked to a friend who works for some company who's like, oh, you're actually already probably giving at least 1% of, of your sales. So this is kind of a no brainer, like let's talk. And that's an easier, uh, an easier sell, if you will. Um, but I think that in some ways, a well-established brand, it would just depend on their goals. Like, is this something that they are um, wanting to do? I think a lot of companies who have been established for a long time, but haven't had um, any need to give back, especially if they're, our sales are fine. We're doing great. It is um, more of a, uh, a longer conversation around why this is what their their company should be doing. Yeah, I'm guessing in that front, you would probably say, hey, what about employee engagement and recruitment and, and things like yeah, that as well, right? Totally. Yeah, I think that's something that um, we've really honed into over the past couple of years is what what is our value proposition or what are the various different value propositions? Because every 1% for the planet means something different for all 5,000 of our all 5,000 plus of our business members. Some do absolutely use it as a training and employee engagement um, program. Some use it as, you know, again, their their framework for how they give back. Um, and it really, it really just depends on the company and, and their goals. Yeah. It, it's very easy, I think, for anybody who's listening to our conversation to imagine like a CPG brand or like an apparel brand mm -hmm. or any kind of outdoor brand. Like that just feels like right in the wheelhouse of 1% yeah. and makes a ton of sense. But I'm sure you've you've come across other industries or types of businesses and you're like, well, that's unique. I wish there was yeah. more, you know, like that. Are, are there any that come to your mind as as just like, oh, wow, that's different. We, it'd be great to have more of those or anything come to mind? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because it is such an easy, uh, an, an easy understanding as to why putting the 1% logo on the back of a beer can would sway a consumer to utilizing or to purchasing that product instead of another. Um, that's pretty black and white. But I think, uh, as I mentioned, we've seen a number of different industries come in over the past few years that have been you know, new industries to us. Um, and selling a product versus a service is very different. And so I think some of our service-based companies um, over the past, past few years, it has been, well, what's what's the benefit there? And I think um, 
your clients your are your consumers. And I think that if given the opportunity to work with, um, you know, like a marketing agency, one that has a commitment like 1% for the planet, um, that is going to stand out, especially because the the clients you're working with or the cons- are, or your consumers are also probably going to be like-minded individuals, not just their companies. So I think that um, we've worked with a few different agencies that are in our network in the past, and it's kind of been the same. They're like, we put that logo on everything that's on our um, the contracts or the letter of intent that goes out to our clients from our website and our case studies. We make sure that that's communicated because it's not just, you know, the consumers at a store, but it's who you're working with, who your clients are. And usually you want to work with um, clients that are values aligned anyway. Yeah. So what is your, uh, being in the uh, marketing role uh, for the organization, um, what are some of the initiatives uh, or things that you would like to see happen if you were to look forward into the next year or five years, whatever, like, what are some of the things where you're like, wow, uh, you know, ready to get to that point, or these are the things that we're really trying to accomplish over the next few years. Mm. Tougher one. There's, uh, I, I would say there is, uh, there's so much. And I, I think that selfishly, I think from our brand awareness being and growing our brand awareness being one of our, our biggest goals at the organization, um, selfishly, I would, I would love to see that every single one of our members has our logo and their commitment somewhere on their website or on their product. But I think that's a good point because, um, I assume most did. And that's, I mean, that's my awareness is just seeing it on all these different products um, that I buy or are next to products that I buy, you know, and it, and it, and the name is so strong, it communicates itself. And if you look into it, it's, it's fairly easy to explain. Uh, I would assume that everybody displays it really proudly, but maybe, maybe not as much as you would like. I think so looking at some of like our small businesses, you know, some of those, those companies don't have a marketing team or someone who is, you know, maybe it's a team of one or a team of two, but marketing's not their forte. And I think it it is um, being able to communicate to them, hey, you are, uh, as, as a member of our network, you are paying for this. You are, you are certifying, you're giving so that you can showcase this to consumers. And it's that understanding to help them understand that you are, um, you know, it's that symbiotic relationship. You putting our logo out there allows your consumers to understand that you are doing more than just creating an amazing product. You are also ensuring that you have the model in place to give back to the environment. Um, so there's definitely some some of that that holds, uh, you know, members back from understanding the value of that logo. Um, but, you know, for bigger companies, it's kind of what we've talked about before, too. It's that hesitation around perfectionism that, mm-hmm. you know, our Instagram DMs are, or our comment section is always like, why not 2% for the planet? Or is that enough? And, and I think there's uh, maybe a little bit of a misconception that it isn't enough, but I think our goal is that 1% adds up. And the more companies that are pledging 1% of their sales, that's a lot of money in the long yeah. run. Um, and that's a lot of impact that can happen. So um, I think those are the two main factors that hold companies back from really stamping our logo on everything. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see the I can see it uh, when you get into the kind of the enterprise level 
or maybe a, um, an industry where there's just a little bit more um, expected criticism of not of not being perfect. I, I can see that uh, being the mm-hmm. case. Uh, but it is strong that you have that uh, these partners who are kind of talking about the organization and every single new partner is one that could be talking about it to, to other people. So totally. that's great. What for you just personally, what has been the most rewarding part of joining the organization uh, over the past four years? Like what what's hmm. what's the stuff that makes you smile? Um, I think what we talked about at the beginning of the, of the episode is where I think seeing in real time and feeling like how far this organization has come in in such a short amount of time, um, to where people are recognizing the logo we are getting. And I think when I started, the vast majority of members were, small to mid-sized brands and now the outreach we're getting and even just the conversations from companies that seemed, you know, maybe a little bit out of reach, you know, two, three years ago. Um, but seeing their that recognition and seeing some of the emails or partnership offers that we get coming through, um, I do think it's individuals at their own companies who are recognizing the value in having structure like 1% for the planet in place. That's cool. Uh, I'm just going to guess that there's people listening who've already known about the organization, but maybe there's some who uh, haven't checked it out recently. Where would you point them to go to learn more about it? Ooh. Well, the the website's an obvious one, but is there any other place where you'd say, I was going to say, I was going to say actually to uh, not to reveal too much, but we're, we're in the progress of, of, of updating our website. So I would say I'll push them to our website in just a few months when that is finalized. I'm really excited about that. But I would actually probably point them to um, our Instagram page because it is such a connector of all of the partnership stories. So you can see some some of our uh, business members who are doing some really cool work uh, and their partnership stories come to life and um, see you know what we've got going on, of course. But that's definitely kind of our hub for partnership stories, um, such as, you know, I know you, I think you had sway on the, on the podcast, not too long ago, some of the great work they're doing avocado brands, OXO, everything in between. Um, so it's a great place to check out some stories from our network. 